There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. The Avid Brothers bring Americana folk rock to Wolf Trap in Virginia this Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. I spoke to Seth Avid about he and brother Scott's journey from a Carolina Jubilee to emotionalism, from the Carpenter to True Sadness, which included the hit Ain't No Man. Hey, thanks so much for joining us on WTOP in DC. My pleasure, sir. Thank you for taking the time with me today. Of course, of course, uh, we're talking uh, about, you know, you and you and your brother, Scott, we're coming to Wolf Trap, one of my favorite spots. It's in Vienna, Virginia, and it'll be May 25th, 26th and 27th. Uh, you know, a lot of acts that come to Wolf Trap are just there for, you know, one night and then they're on to another town. But you, you guys are staying for three nights in a row. Uh, you know, why, why yes, do you sir. love it so much? Oh, man. I mean, if you've been there, then then, you know, it's just a beautiful space it's an inspiring space you know which is really helpful when when you're when you're performing to be inspired you know to be inspired anew not to not just uh, skate along on the inspiration uh, that created the songs themselves you know but to be inspired in the moment of performing them you know and and in a, a place that's so beautiful uh it's a lot easier to to get into that mindset you know Absolutely. And I agree entirely. I mean, it's it's literally in the middle of, uh, you know, a, a national park. And so, <laughs> yeah, no matter how yeah. much no matter how much urban sprawl happens going forward in the future out of, you know, out of D.C., out into the suburbs or whatever, that will always be like a protected space with forests and campgrounds and this beautiful wooden cathedral with acoustics. Uh, to yeah. Sing yeah. And, and we always say like amongst the band, like, uh, you know, between Scott and I, we always kind of refer to it as the the red rocks of the east i don't I, i'm, I'm sure we're, we're not the first to, to make the comparison but you know the national park and the the, the natural beauty around and the the acoustic advantages uh, are all very clear and obvious and and present and you know we we treat red rocks you know with a lot of uh reverence and we do we do a, a three-night run there every year and and uh the wolf trap thing it 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 makes sense it makes sense to to be there multiple nights to to really to really soak in the beauty and to really uh accept the 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 natural um uh inspiring vibe of the place you know i love that the red rocks of the east we're going to use <laughs> yeah. we're going to use that yeah. going forward and we'll credit you should but just yeah <laughs> get get give me credit i'm coining it right now here here right right with here with you jason i'm coining it right now trademark from this point <laughs> forward that's it Give Seth all the royalties. Uh, yes. <laughs> and of course, you'll be joined on the bill by the, how do you say it? Is it the Bill Frizzell trio? Yeah, Bill Frizzell. Yeah, yeah. The Bill Frizzell tri trio. And then uh, I'm opening the second night and then uh, and then Iris DeMint for, for the, the, the third night. It's going to be, each night will be very much its own character, for sure. 
Awesome. Well, everybody, anybody in the area who's, you know, a fan of, uh, you know, folk, Americana, bluegrass, indie folk, folk rock, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Uh, come check, check it out for three nights. It's going to be great. Whenever I have someone on, you know, a legendary band, famous band, I always want to, you know, hear your origin story. So I know, well, you were born in 80, 1980, and your brother, Scott, I guess, in 76, a few years earlier. Um, yeah. he was out in like Cheyenne or something, but I know you mostly you guys grew up in like Charlotte, North Carolina area. Like, what, what, what did you all, you know, listen to growing up? I it was like a musical family, right? Yeah, musical family. Uh, I think a lot of it came from from my my dad's our dad's side. Uh, his mother, Martha, she was this uh, brilliant pianist, and um, and then yeah, we grew up with with musical instruments in the home. Dad always played guitar and sang. We always sang in church. Um, so, you know, we, we were introduced to harmony early on and introduced to, to, you know, familial connection with, with music. And then, you know, we listened to a lot of country music from that, from that time. We listened to a lot of pop music from that time, uh, er, very early on, it was kind of all, uh, Zeppelin and Pink Floyd and, and Hendrix. And then, uh, uh, you know, Michael Jackson, Hall and Oates, and then like our dad would play us like George Strait and um, George Jones and Randy Travis and and uh, awesome. yeah and then awesome. and, yeah and then and then when uh, you know and then I, I I personally became you know one of the the millions of of Kurt Cobain disciples and uh, <laughs> you know since then it's just been what one discover one discovery after the next that we just love so so much music and and I think that that kind of comes through in the the variety of uh, inspiration that's that's in in the songs we write too but but yeah man when you're growing up listening to pink floyd and george Strait, and then you discover kurt cobain i mean that is like some songwriting genius that's seeping into <laughs> into your i mean yeah i mean it's a, it's an amazing right now it's an amazing time to to live because there's just so much to draw from and you know recorded music has been around for so long now there's just it's just a big beautiful stew you know absolutely well, tell me about uh, how your stew started getting stirred as Nemo. <laughs> it was, that yeah, was like the early, yeah. like a rock band. Was it like, were you guys in like high school or college age? Or any, I just yeah, want to yeah. know sort of how that started and transitioned into, into calling it Abbott Brothers for Country yeah. Was. You know, how did that early period happen? Well, basically, uh, just to paraphrase it, you know, Scott's four years my senior. So uh, like when I'm a freshman in high school, he's a freshman in college. So we, we had our own bands. And it was always we kind of built this dream that like, you know, one day we're going to have a rock band together. We're going to take over the world, the whole thing. And uh, and and so eventually we we, we did. We, we got a, a five piece band together, sort of a, a melding of, of my band and his band of that time, you know, uh, late 90s and uh, very heavy, you know, a, a very sort of narrowed uh, demographic, I, I think, would would be attractive to the music. But it was. um pretty heavy pretty pretty punk influenced but you know with many attempts at, at uh, dynamism and and, um, and variety within the music but but again very very heavy relatively aggressive music and uh that band broke up and it was kind of like um it was kind of like your high school sweetheart breaking up with you you know it was very very hurtful and 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 it was like uh oh, i don't want to do that again you know i don't want to have to like you know trust you know five dudes on stage and and you know i just, just want to simplify and around the same time uh, well, a little earlier than that, basically, we had been on a journey of discovering the, the American roots music, specifically that came from where we're from uh, in the Piedmont of North Carolina. So discovering uh, Charlie Poole and, you know, Blonde Boy Fuller and uh, Doc Watson and and just a lot of music that, that's from where we're from. 
so basically the, the, the rock band broke up and then it was just time to simplify. And we were loving, uh, you know, music that, that was more bare and, and, uh, where the lyrics were more, um, uh, hearable and, and the meaning was more obvious and, uh, it wasn't buried in layer after layer of distortion. So we, uh, we, we got into, to, to work in just, just Scott and I, and then it just sort of, uh, you know, naturally blossomed from there. It felt very natural to just, to just play guitar and, and banjo and sing. And it was also super, um, mobile, you know, we could, we could take it anywhere. We could just go to street corners. We could play very easily in restaurants or coffee shops or bars or wherever. So it was a kind of a, kind of a, a there were multiple things that went into it, but, but it all kind of lined up to, to start this project, which we're now, you know, 22 years in. Absolutely. Well, I'm glad that you were able to put Nemo behind you and just you kept just kept swimming yeah, <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah, turned in, turned into that, that wasn't very good. I try, but <laughs> but uh, turned it in, the first. So country was was that first one. But the first big, big one I know that a lot of people remember was uh, a Carolina Jubilee. Just any fond memories of, of putting that together. Um, uh, that was it was after like some live album stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's just really fun. Like all that whole time was us just really discovering that 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 this was our voice. You know that that we like we were finding our voice. We were finding, uh, you know, there was just all this brand new, very fresh discovery around songwriting and around accepting what was natural to us. You know, and again, like with all the music that we love, you know, it's it's there is like a, a moment of acceptance, you know, where, where you're like, you know what? I'm not, you know, part of the British invasion. Like I love Pink Floyd, but that like that I'm not gonna, uh, you know, I'm not going to create music that is from, uh, you know, 1972 England, you know, that's not, that's not my DNA. You know, my DNA is, you know, the bull tower, red clay of North Carolina. And, and, and that's what's going to be natural to me to present uh aesthetically and so accepting that was that would like you know around carolina jubilee it was just like we were like really like you know we were heading into second gear like oh okay so this this is like this is what, what i'm meant to do in this moment and and it was very fun very fun to realize that and and, and very grounding uh in a, in a in a very healthy way to uh to accept that and, and to get into the work you know I love it. And of course you followed up with, uh, I, I never know how to say it, but the story behind it's so cool. Is it Mick? Mignonette. 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 Yeah. Okay. Tell yeah. everybody about what it's named after the English yacht. Oh, that sang yeah. Yeah. Well, we got turned on to this, to, to the, the story and the concept from, from, uh, the custom of the sea. Um, and, and so that, that, you know, it's an incredible, an incredible book, but it, it outlines, uh, a, um, a real life story of a, an event that happened with a, a whaling ship being sunk. I think it was off the coast of France, and basically the, Cape, the custom the Cape of, the, of Good Hope I just read on oh, yeah, the South yeah, Africa actually. Oh, South go. Africa. Okay, yeah, that's right. Yep, okay, yeah. Yep. So, so, and then, uh, and you know, Mignonette was the name of the of the ship. So, uh, you know, the survivors, you know, they basically ended up having to to employ the custom of the sea, which is you know drawing straws and seeing who who will you know who will be eaten, who will die, and and who God. will be you know who will be who's who who will be used for the nourishment of the, of the body you know of the bodies of the survivors and it's just a very hard truth and and um basically they went through that and then afterward 
they, you know, they did survive. They were rescued. And there was a question about whether or not they would tell the truth. And uh, it really became a story about about honesty and about um, holding to the truth, regardless of the consequences. Um, and so that really, really hit us hard. And uh, and we started hearing um, we started hearing the sort of product of that in a way like that, 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 that was starting to make its way into our writing and, and then a sort of a concept record uh, was sort of born out of that. That's awesome. Thanks for taking <laughs> us back. Cause I just, that sure. crazy to me. the idea you, you know, sculpted an album. Uh, <laughs> album yeah. Well, it just, it just, it just hit it so hard. And, and yeah. you just like, when you really look into a real life story like that, and you think about what, what, what these men, um, what they were up against and what they had to, the, the questions they had to answer in their own in their own hearts and, and in their own conversation with God, it's it's just uh, I mean it's just stunning and it's the kind of story that it it it, it will always be stunning you know so so it, it hit us hard enough that it, that it, it pretty much had to make its way into our our creative process of, uh, in that chapter. You know? Oh, absolutely. I'm Bradley Trainer and I'm Don McLean. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game and you can play along. The item might be like this: A list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. Well, we've sort of talked about, you know, your early phase of the of the career, but then, you know, with with Four Thieves Gone, Robbinsville Sessions in 2006 and then Emotionalism in 2007, like after sort of those two, I feel like the how do we say the you know, the the industry and awards and everything starts taking note, right? Because in 2007 is when you get emerging artists of the year at the Americana music honors. And I guess emotionalism is up for album of the year. You even win some duo group of the year stuff around then. Right. Um, Just talk about sort of off the heels of, of those next two albums for these gone and emotionalism, how, how it's just sort of your careers are sort of shifting into a whole nother gear. And you were just sort of on the map, at least in terms of like people that follow that genre. Yeah, yeah, totally. And and even then, uh, at that point, it was still kind of surprising uh, that we were, you know, that we were gaining the momentum that we were gaining. Though, of course, during the time, it w- we didn't really think about it a- a- as momentum. We we were just like, you know, really thankful that that it was con- that it was growing. Um, but as far as having our hand on on a pulse of of the the rate of growth or the speed of growth. I don't really think that that was available to us, but, but we did, we had noticed that we hadn't plateaued. Like it was interesting, like, man, like now there's like, you know, a couple hundred people coming to like every show or like, you know, we're, we're able to play, you know, throughout the Northeast at least and throughout the South uh, and, you know, and bring in four or 500 people. Like, and, and it's, it's just mind blowing Jason, because again, like, you know, we started this thing out and it's really, you know, at that time, you know, around 2000, 2001, it just didn't seem, viable like you did you didn't think of of music with a banjo involved that could ever be something that that you could really make a living at much less have gained any kind of um popularity like like real popularity certainly not in the pop world like that around 2000 2001 that just didn't that just didn't seem i mean that that was laughable at that time really what we were looking to do was forge uh, you know a, a space that we could live in play merle fest put you know play the different you know, various folk fests and um 
and go around and maybe play theaters and 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 make a living doing it but but certainly not uh you know get rick's attention you know and, and end up you know making a record that, that gets you know grammy nods and that kind of stuff uh all of that was um you know you know really kind of surprising but we were lucky that that it that it was a uh or at least to our minds a very healthy sort of um gaining of popularity like there was no there was no explosion you know where it was like we're just kids making you know a record and then suddenly we're on the cover of rolling stone like obviously that never happened so we were you know looking back i'm very thankful about that but but yeah so like the around the four thieves emotionalism time we were just sort of like run like we were just firing on all cylinders completely independent thinking like this is it man we can just we can do everything on our own we can do everything by ourselves we don't have to really rely on this crazy this pipe dream you know they have when you're a kid that you're going to send a demo to some major label and they're going to sign you and like do everything for you like we were we were accepting the reality that that number one that that's ridiculous and and number two it's 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 fine it's it's fine we we don't need we don't need their help we don't need anyone's help you know and uh, we were just given evidence over and over and over again that if we were willing to do the work and we're willing to go out and play you know 150 200 shows a year that we can make connections with people that are lasting and and we'll we'll you know sort of have you know for lack of a, a better phrase repeat business you know <clears throat> so uh, yeah, so we put the you know those records like emotionalism. I think of even now, like I think of that as like the the pinnacle of what we could do by ourselves in a way, you know. Right, and then right. uh, yeah, and then and then you know Rick, Rick heard that one, and and uh, and around that time we were starting to get some uh, some real attention from from a few major labels, and uh, and we ended up working with Rick because that was like the the most attractive. Um, you know, like in terms of risk or potential, like that, that felt like the most reasonable direction to go for the art itself. We thought, you know, we make a record with Rick at the very least, it's going to be an interesting experiment and we might be able to, to further the art uh, rather than just further the business, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And you keep mentioning, you know, uh, caught the eye of Rick. We want to tell everybody it's Rick Rubin, the legendary Rick Rubin. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, in case they're listening along and yes, aren't, aren't, aren't yes, familiar yeah, yeah, of your story, but yeah, uh, yeah I mean, yeah. so Rick Rubin, I guess here's emotionalism and he's like, Oh my God, I got to work with these guys. Uh, and you, you guys do what I in love and you in 2009, the carpenter yes. in 2012, which I think gets your first Grammy nomination for best Americana album. Um, and you even worked on, like on for it, right? Mag magpie and, dandelion and true sadness that was that was all with rick so yeah i mean i yeah. don't want to make you have to sum up four albums in one <laughs> soundbite but, but you know just speak speak to i'm trying to cut you loose here before we go through everything but uh, <laughs> uh i don't want to keep you forever but you know if there's always going to speak to the rick rubin period those four uh mount rushmore of albums <laughs> yeah yeah no it's all it's all good um uh yeah i mean i think of that as uh you know i'm loving you was was this first experience with rick and, and in a way, it was kind of like a like a technical sort of boot camp um, in terms of uh, of the recording process, you know, whereas before, since we're doing it all ourselves, you know, we were subject to our own impatience. You know, we were subject to our, our own sort of arbitrary uh, judgment on on how long it should take to make a record. Plus, we were also very much working much more on a on a budget. Um, which which was uh, very very heavy on our minds because again like we we ran and still run our the business side of this you know like a like a construction company since we watched our dad run a welding business we set our whole thing up like that like so 
booking is a subcontractor deal, just like you would subtract a plumber if you're a contractor. Like that's kind of how we looked at it. So when we're making emotionalism or any of the records before it, it's like we're looking at like, okay, we've got four days. Let's make this record. You know, like all like emotionalism, the entire record plus mixing and mastering, I think it was like a, like nine days or something like that, nine or ten days. Mm-hmm. And um, so we we were that was our mindset, you know, get in, knock it out, keep moving, just like the shows, get in, knock it out, keep moving. So I am loving you. was like this, this kind of this boot camp of, of like, you know, if it takes 30 takes, you know, like that outro to laundry room, like, I don't know how many times I did it, Jason, like, you know, there's like this kind of like hoedown sort of vibe that happens at the end of one of our songs called laundry room. And like just that section, I, I mean, I, I seriously, I like, I feel like I sat in a room like all day recording that, you know, just that like 42nd section. Um, and I never would have done that before. So just to, just to get it right, find the vibe, get it, just get it all happening, not just technically, but like the spirit, all of it and go just to absolute exhaustion. And we did that with I am loving you. And then, at, and, but and so that after that, I was like, my God, like if making a, a record with Rick is like this, like, man, I don't know if I can handle it like emotionally. Like, it's just a, it's just, it's, it's just such an output of energy. But then I realized like when we started, you know, got into the making the carpenter, like then we were then we were like in the groove of this second big chapter of our record making activity in a way. So like it got easier because we, we had sort of um, built built that that endurance. Uh, and and yeah, so since then it's it's been a whole different process where where we we trust ourselves in a, in a new way, a different way. We we have more tools, we have more patience, uh, and a lot of that could be attributed to to Rick's example in the studio. Um, but but yeah, that's that that like when I think of like you know country was Ju- jubilee four thieves minionette that feels like a chapter, uh, you know up through you know four four thieves uh, emotionalism it feels like a chapter and then like the I am loving you feels like its own singular sort of uh, uh, you know whop over the head, <laughs> and then like carpenter to to now feels like a, you know the 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 more current chapter uh, in terms of the the processes uh, by which we make a record. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for break, breaking all, all that down. And I'm glad sure. uh, I'm in, in, into chapters too. you know, it makes my job easier as listening, <laughs> li- listening along to this uh, helps us break it up in our minds, I guess. Cool. cool. Um, but yeah, yeah, we said, I guess we said the Carpenter was up for uh, Grammy for Americana album. And then ain't no man was uh, up for American roots performance. That was off of what true sadness, I think. Right. That was uh, yeah, yes. lead off track, I believe. Which yeah, yeah. Uh, which was also up for Americana album, but um, before we move off of that period, really quick, I'm a big movie guy, and I always wanted to ask you about um, what was the song called? Uh, um, Paul Newman versus the Demons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. how did you? Were you a big? Were you guys big Paul Newman fans? Uh, huge, you know what I mean? Huge, huge, huge Paul Newman fans. Scott and I both. But yeah, I, I, I mean, I wrote that one, and it was just uh, I found myself just looking at him generally as 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 uh, a good example in terms of what he did later in his life uh uh the philanthropy you know, right yeah yeah, yeah. and to, like you know like knowing that that you know he like any other human has has the the darkness the blackness the 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 the, the you know the pain and the suffering of, of human existence uh was in him and he had his own struggles but parlaying that into into something useful uh over a lifetime uh and 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 just that being uh you know uh what's the word i mean it was just important to me at the time to to it it, it, it he was making sense as an example you know so that that's how that song came about 
Yeah. Sorry, not to do a that's sort of a deep cut. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But they just did it was on my brain because they just did that yeah, yeah. Joanne Woodward HBO Max oh, doc. If you saw it, incredible. it was amazing. Incredible. Incredible. Yeah. Are you a cool hand Luke guy or a hustler? Uh, what's what's yours? Uh you know, it, but but yeah, really both of those, all, all three of those for the longest time. And and I have still you know, but uh now like man, if I had if I had to pick one, it might it might be the verdict. Oh my God, uh, the verdict where he opens with uh, drunken at that p- uh, pinball yeah, machine, and yeah. he's, cir- he's circling obits for potential, yes. you know, grief ca- uh, lawyers. Oh man, what a yeah, that, what a movie! Yeah. <laughs> it's incredible. I mean, and he's, you know, it's beyond just him being that that striking, handsome dude. It's you know, not that that's you know, he's he's well beyond that in the earlier films too. But there's something about the verdict. There's just something rich and dark and and deep. Uh, that where it's yeah, that one. That one's really at the top for me. Well, I mean, if you get Sidney Lumet directing and David Mamet writing, that's hard to top. Uh, incre- incredible. We, we didn't even mention but- Butch and Sundance. <laughs> oh, a, yeah. I mean, it's, well, it we is can, a career. I mean, we, can spend, we can spend the rest of the Yeah, we can spend the rest of this this conversation just being like, oh, my God, what about this one? What about nobody's What's your favorite cool? Paul what a Newman cool, what a movie? Cool yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bring it back yeah. around. We're here to talk the Abbott brothers. That's uh, right. That's <laughs> right. I guess closing it. I mean, the only one we didn't really mention was closer than together. Was it? Was that your first with that? Without no, Rick. Rick did that one as well. He course. did. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Let's get you know. Let's d- dive into that really quick. Uh, if if that's the most recent one, unless you want to count, you know, the EP Glean Three. Right. Stuff, yeah. But um, are are we gonna hear any of that out at out at Wolf Trap? Any of the newer stuff? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. And and uh, again, like with Wolf Trap being a three night stand. It's just it's just more likely that we're going to dig deeper uh, in terms of, of um, you know, of deeper cuts or songs that we haven't done in a while, tried in a while. You know, the kinds of songs that we have to to relearn and then feel nervous when we go out and play them. Uh, that always that always gives that's always a, a good positive energy when we're a little scared. That's always a good that's always a good thing. Um, but, yeah, that 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 record uh, closer than together and and the the newest gleam uh I think they both have some songs that have have never been played, so we might need to be looking at that soon. But, um, but yeah, you can you can expect it to be all over the map uh, in terms of material, all over the map. Great. And do you always work in? I mean, in addition to like the newer and more obscure stuff, do do you work in like the what we would call quote unquote your your bigger hits? Like, does Ain't No Man? What does that is that oh, always yeah. still fun to play? Uh, it's always fun. I mean, all all of these songs, like we're just really lucky that like it's really the audience that makes them feel like, like new songs, like, like every night, you know? So we, we, we're very, you know, we're very particular about what we share because we want to share things that we feel like have, have miles in them because we're the ones that have to hear them every night, you know? Um, But, but we, we've been very lucky with, with the people that support our music, uh, making the songs feel like they're a new experience each night. And, and yeah, that's a responsibility for sure. Like for, for the, for the, the more casual fan, uh, you know, we're, we we look to create set lists that that where there's something for the casual fan, there's something for the 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 diehard, but there's also something for the person who's never heard our name. You know, so that, you know, for a, I, you know, I want to be able to play a set where there's a, you know, a 70 year old woman that's never heard us at all, and there might be something for her in there. You know what I mean? So, awesome. so that's that's the that's the goal. So so yeah, every night will be different. Every night we'll have some some of the 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 so-called hits and and every night we'll have some uh some some deeper cuts uh, you can count on that 
Awesome. Well, we can't wait for the sounds of the Abbott brothers to be echoing off of the trees in the forest <laughs> of Virginia. The sounds, as you said earlier, it stuck in my brain from the Piedmont of North Carolina. I love that. that yes, name. sir. Piedmont. You got That's it, man. Catchy. That's an album title <laughs> waiting to happen. Piedmont. Uh, That's true. You're right. You're right. I'm going to write that down. You credit me as long, and I'll credit you for what was it? The Red Rocks of the East. There That's you it. That's it. All right. It's an even trade. <laughs> All right, man, but you've been generous with your time. We'll cut you loose. But everybody, check out Wolf Trap on May 25th, 26th, 27th. So three nights, no excuse to miss it. Hell, get tickets for all three. (laughs) There it is. Thanks so much. This was so much fun. A pleasure. A pleasure. Thanks, Jason. See you soon, brother. Thanks so much for listening to Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Our theme music is Scott Buckley's Clarion. Remember to give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. 